0: guests, welcome. We are so glad you are here with us. Please take a moment to complete our digital connection card. You can text TPCDQ to 84576. This will allow you to connect with us and get upcoming event information, submit, submit prayer requests, and receive a gift card in the mail. Several De Quincey churches and local officials have partnered together to accomplish God's work. We will be gathering items and making a trip to Golden Meadows, Louisiana, on September 9th, meeting at the baseball complex at 4.30 a.m. to deliver items and food to the community. TPC has been asked to gather baby items such as diapers, wipes, formula, baby food, bottles, and distilled water. On Saturday, September 11th, and Saturday, September 18th, we will be going to southeast Louisiana to volunteer in cleanup efforts for Hurricane Ida. If you are available, please make plans to go with us. We will need men, chainsaws, rakes, shovels, etc. We want to be ready when we get there. There will be a sign up sheet at the welcome table. Please let us know if you plan to go. We will be collecting items to take to Southeast Louisiana. There is a list of items on the welcome table. You can drop off items at the office Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. or Sunday and Wednesday after service. If you would like to donate monetarily, you can do so via our website or app. Please, speci- spe- excuse me. Please specify Hurricane Relief so you also donate via check or cash. Please make sure to designate Hurricane Relief in memo section. Our prayer requests this week are Sister Joy Smith, Teresa Hurd and family, Scott Brown and family, Annalisa Lyon, Brenna Davis, Billie Jean Brown, Tommy and Stephanie Perkins, Jocelyn Phillips, Angie Robinson, Kenneth and Glenda Rigmaiden, Kim Hollingsworth, Tracy Landers, as sure as you can come forward at this time. Why don't we go to the Lord in prayer for these needs? Lord, we thank you for today and for your presence that we feel in this place tonight. Lord, we ask that you would meet the needs of those listed here and the needs of those who were not. Lord, let your anointing rest on the remainder of this service. Lord, bless both the gift and the giver In your mighty name we pray. Amen. As sure as you may receive the offering, be blessed as you give.
1: Give the Lord a sacrifice of praise tonight. Come on, give God just a sacrifice of praise. Yes, I'm tired, yes, I'm weary, yes, I've worked all day. But Lord, I just give you praise, and I give you thanks, and I thank you, Lord, for what you did here Sunday morning. Thank you. Thank you for the presence of the Lord that's in this room. I don't know what you may have brought into this room, but I'm telling you, He lifts the heavy burdens. And He sets the captives free. And He gives sight to the blind. He's a good God, and He wants to do good to you tonight. He wants to lift your spirits. Hallelujah. Could we just thank Him again? We're not taking up time. We're doing what we were called to do, what we were made to do, and that is the giving praise. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Well, why don't you take five seconds and turn around with a smile on your face and say something good to somebody, like it's great to see you, and I'm glad you're in church. Thank you for being here tonight. I want to say to all of our guests, we welcome you. To all of our faithful, faithful members, thank you for being in God's house. To those of you who have joined us online, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us tonight. I want to talk tonight on this subject, how to trust God when things are changing. How many know that we are living in an abundance of change right now? And I'm telling you, there are people that are feeling weary and overwhelmed. There are people that are feeling like they don't know if they're coming or if they're going. I pray tonight that this that I have in my spirit would add value to your life and would give you some things that you can take home tonight and can begin to use tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, Lord, for the next uh, 35 minutes, would you just let your word flow out of my spirit and into the hearts of your people that we can take it and use it and apply it to our lives, Lord, during these very uh, changing and tumultuous times in which we live. We thank you that your word is an anchor, God, and we, Lord, will anchor our life to it, And it's going to hold us in the storm. We give you thanks and praise and everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you for being in God's house. You can be seated. First of all, just let me remind all of us that change is unavoidable. Change is unavoidable. You say, well, I don't like change. Well, when you came into the world, things changed. Yes, it did. Change is unavoidable. When God made the earth, look at what He said. It's going to come up on the screen. Genesis 8 and 22. Here's what the Lord said. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. What is He saying here in Genesis? He's saying this, that everything on this planet is seasonal. If you don't like summer, good news, fall is coming. And if you don't like fall, good news, winter is coming. But listen, it's changing, it's always been changing, and it'll keep on changing. You say, I don't like change. Well, guess what? You're changing, and nobody's asking your permission. Your body's not asking your permission. I'm sorry to break this to you, but you're a day older today than what you were yesterday. And your body didn't ask you, can I do it? Things are changing around us without your approval or permission. And you and I have to just understand that it's going to continue to change. It's not, brothers and sisters, going to get better in America. I wish that I could tell you that things are going to get better. But your pastor who loves you wants to tell you the truth. And according to the Word of God, it says that things are going to wax worse and worse. It's hard to get better and better if things are going to wax worse and worse. You're not going to go back to normal. What you knew in 2018, that day is done. You might as well get used to a new normal. I can tell you don't like this preaching. Well, I, I, I'm i not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. I'm just here to tell you the truth. Things are changing. And you may go, well, I don't like that change in my life. And I don't like the way that the world is changing. And this change doesn't taste good. I get what you're saying. But you know what? If you take the individual ingredients of a cake, the individual ingredients of a cake do not taste good. You don't just eat baking soda and baking powder. You don't just up-chug a bottle of oil in your mouth. You don't eat raw eggs. But the the ingredients that I just listed are all in a cake. Individually, they're bad and they're bitter. But you put all of that in a cake, you mix it and you stir it, you add a little heat, and something comes out delicious. I want to encourage you with that. God will take the bad and the bitter ingredients of your life and somehow in his own way has a way of stirring it up because all things are working for the good of those who love the Lord. Not for those who are in the world. It ain't working for their good. That's why they're taking their life in suicide and drowning their problems in drugs because it's not working for their good. But for those who are called according to his purpose, It is working for your good. He can take it somehow because he's God. Hallelujah. You know what? I do want to encourage you tonight. God is not sweating this COVID pandemic. He's not. God is not sweating 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. God is not sweating what's going on in Afghan tonight. God did not sweat the hurricanes, Laura, Delta, Zeta. He's not sweating Ida. He knew they were coming. God is not on the throne sweating. He doesn't have a 911 call by the side of his throne. He is God, and he's God all by himself, and he knows what's going on in the world, and he knows what's going on in your world, and he's not uptight. Oh, my God, help me preach, and he's not sweating, and he's not nervous, and he's not biting his nails. He is in control. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and tell him God is in control. I've come to encourage you tonight. You just remember. You remember this, that the church has lasted for the past 2,000 years. It's gone through hurricanes, pandemics. It's gone through revolutions. It's gone through wicked rulers. They tried to burn the Bible. They tried to snuff the church out. And somehow, some way, God still has a church. He had a church 2,000 years ago, and he's going to have a church today. And if he don't come tomorrow, he's going to have a church tomorrow. God has... A church. Can I get a witness? Now the difference between whether you're going to get bitter or whether you're going to get better through all of this change that is going on is really up to you. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's up to you. I don't know that if I have this on the screen or not, but I do want you to notice something in your mind. And I want you to notice this. The difference between the word bitter and better is the letter I. Did you get it yet? You got it? Over here? You got it? The difference between bitter and better in the word is the letter I. I make the difference. I cannot help what happens around me. I cannot help what our leadership does. I cannot help what's going on in Afghanistan. As much as I'd like to change it, I can't. But I can decide what is going to happen in me. I can choose my attitude. One of my favorite light verses I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, somebody. There's the difference between bitter and better, and it's the letter I. It's your attitude. Here's the next thing I want to talk to you tonight about. God's purpose in every change in my life is to make me more like Jesus. You say, why is this going on? I can tell you. It's not because I'm smart or trying to be smart, Ellie. Here's your answer. Every change that is going on in your life right now is to try to make you more like Jesus. You say, how do you know that? Look at Romans 8 and 29. We just quoted Romans 8 and 28. For all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8 and 28. We don't ever quote Romans 8 and 29. Here it is. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Mm -hmm. Some of you got that already. In other words, God said, I chose you. Now what I want to do is to make you like me. Are you with me? God says his number one goal in your life is to make you like him. It's not to make you happy. I'm sorry to tell you this. God's number one goal in your life is to not make you comfortable. And it's not to make your little life Pleasant. His number one goal is to make you like him. Somebody tells me, Wayne, when I see you, I see Trey, and when I see Trey, I see you. Here's how it works. Like father, like son. Like father, like daughter. He wants you looking like him, acting like him, talking like him, walking like him. Come on, somebody. That's his purpose for you in the earth. You're 60, you're 80, you're 90 days while you're living up on this planet. Guess what they're for? It's you're in the school of his character. You're going to school for character. Why? Because you're not going to take your car to heaven. You're not going to take your 401k to heaven. You're not going to take your money to heaven. You're not going to take your good looks to heaven. You're going to take your character to heaven. That's what you're going to take. And so that's what he's working on. So if he's wanting to make you like him, then what's Jesus like? Well, I think the best picture of what Jesus is like is literally found in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. I think this is a great picture of Jesus. Here it is. Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what that is. The picture perfect. Of what Jesus looks like. Do you agree? So then how does God produce that kind of fruit in us? Well, how does he produce love in us? He's going to put you around unloving people. (laughs) Don't look at them right now. Don't look at them, just keep looking up here at me. But God puts you around people that get on your ever-loving last nerve. That's how you learn to love. You know how I've learned not to be selfish? Because God put Janet in my life. And I saw through her, God through her, teaching me things I didn't even see about myself. This is not, I'm not, I love my sweet wife. There's nobody that's helped me more than Jesus and Janet, and that is the truth. But Jesus and Janet... God working through Janet was literally sandpaper rubbing the rough edges out of me. And guess what? That's vice versa. I was sandpaper rubbing the rough edges out of Janet. Why? Because God was using her to help me and me to help her. How do you learn to love? Not when everybody's loving you. You learn to love when you're around people that's unlovable. How do you learn peace? I'm going to tell you how you learn peace. You don't, you don't learn peace when everything's going your way. He'll allow chaos and chaotic times to teach you inner peace. How do you learn joy? Anybody can be joyful when they're sitting on the beach eating s'mores, singing come by y'all. That's easy, right? That's not how you learn. That's not how you learn joy. You learn joy when your heart is breaking. And yet God brings you through. And you realize the the reality of that verse. I was crying all night, but God taught me joy in the midst of my pain. Because joy is not happiness. Joy is something much deeper than happiness. I need to teach on that. Can I keep preaching? How does God teach us patience? I'm going to tell you the number one way God teaches you patience. You ready? It's called the Department of Motor Vehicle. Can anybody attest to that? Oh, my Lord. I have to just pray double if I'm going to the Department of Motor Vehicle. Here's how God teaches you patience. He says, Wayne, wait four months while your building's being built, while your red iron's coming. He says, learn patience when you're in a traffic jam. Oh, my God. Y'all, I'm morphing to a different person when I'm in a traffic jam. Like you don't even want to see me. Isn't that right? I'm doing better. Not a lot better, but I'm doing a little better. Oh, dear Lord, help us. Hey. How do you learn patience when you deal with insurance companies? How many? Oh, I was going to ask you how many's wanted to cuss, but don't raise your hand. <laughs> because I know we've all wanted to, right? Sure we have. We've all wanted to. Don't you give me that pious look. I'll call you out. Don't you dare. You said, well, I didn't want to. Well, you at least thought it. Come on, somebody. God is teaching you, right? What's he teaching you? Patience. Ask Sharia if she's learned patience. That sister's learning patience. How? Because she's wanting a house to be built, and they're not showing up to build it. And she's waiting. Anytime you're waiting, it's an opportunity to teach you patience. Why? So you can be more like Jesus. Here's the next thing. God can even use human error and sin in your life. You say, what do you mean? Well, I'm talking about when you're the innocent victim of somebody else's bad decision. For example, a wife leaves. A husband walks out. Your kids just go crazy. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Anybody? Okay. It didn't look like things were going good in his life for a long, long time and it was no fault of his own it was the sin of some jealous brothers but listen here's how it works because of the sin of his brothers joseph saved two nations yes he did he saved them from famine and destruction so i want to encourage anybody here tonight you say i'm in a i'm in a place we have no sin or no fault of my own. Here's the good news. God can redeem the time. And God can redeem that bad decision from that individual in your life. I'm here to even tell you that God can redeem the evil. He can redeem the rape. He can redeem the molestation. He can redeem the bankruptcy. God can redeem all of it. And somehow, in His sovereign way, He can turn it around and He can use it for your good. Here's the next thing. Every change is always a test of my faith. Every change is always a test of my faith. Here's First Peter 1 and verse 7. The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fire tests how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. And by passing the test, it gives praise, glory, and honor to God. You say, what good is trouble? Many times, trouble in your life helps you to transition. Many times when we're comfortable, we want to stay where we're comfortable. And God has to allow trouble to come our way to move us from our comfortable place. Say so do you have a Bible for that? I think I do. For 40 years, God fed the Israelites with manna. And the Bible says this in the book of Joshua, and the manna did cease. After 40 years of God feeding them one way, the day did come when God no longer fed them that way. And here's the deal. Can you transition to what God wants to do now? And this is why God many times has to allow change to come because change is always a test of your faith. And I'm sorry to tell you all this, but you're probably going to need to stop wishing for the good old days. Because they're not coming back. And as good as we think they are, there were still problems in what we consider the good old days. So you're just going to make yourself miserable looking in the past. That's why I'll never forget what you said, Josh. That's why your front, your front windshield is a lot bigger than your rear view mirror. Because God always wants you looking forward. He doesn't want you staring at the past. Stop making yourself miserable. Hey, thank God for it. But you know what? Here I am today. Now God continue to lead me on. So how can I, how can I navigate pastor all of these changes that are going in my life? I'm going to give you some very practical, practical things here in the next 10 minutes. Number one, invest more time alone with God. Okay. I had a a lady call me up and she said, Pastor, um, she said, anytime I try to get, uh, with God, my mind just races. And she said, my mind races. How can I get, um, in a quiet state? So this is going to be extremely practical here. Here's what I personally do. I will get me something to drink. I will sit in my recliner. I know this is crazy, but here it goes. I'll pull my knees very close to my chest. Sometimes I get a blanket and I will sit like very balled up. And then I will begin to rock and I'll just begin to thank the Lord. I'll just begin to thank him. Or maybe I will sing a song until I get into a state To where that I feel like my spirit is beginning to breathe. Because brothers and sisters, the enemy literally wants to wear all of us out in our mind. And we better learn more than ever how to get steel and know that he is God. I'm not saying you need to do it like me, but I'm saying more than ever, you can check a lot of things off of your to-do list, but don't check off getting still and spending time with God because life is so chaotic right now and so much is going out right now that you're going to need for the Lord to pour back into you. And I literally pray now, God, pour your love back into me. Father, pour your peace back into me. I'm going out today and I know I'm going to face problems and situations. God, pour it in so that I can pour it out. God, give me the strength that I need so that I can add strength to others. More than ever, brothers and sisters, more than ever, you need to make sure that you are giving alone with God. Can I get a witness? You say, "Why, why do I need to do that, pastor? Because God is the great stabilizer in your life when you're stressed out. And when you need to be re-energized, God is your re-energizer when you're wore out. You say, I don't have as much energy as I did even 18 months ago. You're right. Why? Because chronic stress, chronic stress is draining it out of you. So you wake up in the morning and you had a good night's sleep. And a couple hours into the day, you're going, man, I'm exhausted. You know why? That's called chronic stress. And it's very normal when you're under prolonged change like we've been going through. And this is why i got to make sure every day I'm going to a place where I can allow the Holy Spirit to pour back in. Are you with me? So what's the antidote? Here it is. Isaiah 40, 28. Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God? And He created everything on this earth, and He never grows tired or weary. He never grows tired or weary. you got to be careful, because when you start growing tired and weary, you know what we do? We look for the quick fix. I'll get a drink, I'll get a drug, I'll get this and I'll get that. Don't look for an escape. Don't look for a shortcut. Don't fight changes that you possibly cannot control. Instead, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord on a daily basis. God, I'm plugging into you. Your quiet time, brothers and sisters, is more important than it's ever been in your entire life. Here's number two. Ask God to help you see it from his perspective. The changes that are going on right now in your life and in the world, start praying. God, help me to see this from your perspective. If you can begin to see all the changes that are going on in the world right now from God's perspective and his point of view, it's going to make you feel a whole lot better. You say, why? Because it reminds you that God is working it all out for good. Everything that is going on in the world, I don't believe that God is mad at America. I believe God wants America's attention. And you and I just happen to be in the crossfire and some things, but it rains on the just and the unjust. But God is trying to get America's attention. And if you will start looking at it from God's perspective, God is not picking on you. He is wanting somebody's attention. Can I get a witness? Here's what it says in the Bible. Psalm 103, verse 7. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Now why is this important? Here's why this is important. Because Moses was one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. Here's the difference between Moses and the people. He made his ways known to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. In other words, Moses knew why God did what he did. The people only saw God do what he did. That's what that verse means. There's a big difference. You start praying, God, help me to get your perspective on this problem. Help me to see it your way. You say, what is the difference between God's acts and what the people knew? Here's the difference. One is information. The other is wisdom and revelation. There's their difference. You say, okay, if there's a difference, how do I get wisdom? The scripture, it says, if any man lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. You want wisdom? Then listen, I'm not being hard on you. Cut off talk radio. Cut off social media. That's information, and we're on information overload. We don't need more information. We need revelation. We need wisdom from God's Word. You start praying, God, give me your perspective on this problem. I don't need information from a self-help book. I'm not against them. But what I need is revelation. What I need is wisdom from you, God. I need, I pray it all the time. God, give me wisdom between these two ears. I don't know how to come in and I don't know how to go out, but you know all things. Are you with me? That's how you get wisdom. Here's the next thing. Number three, instead of asking, why is all this happening? Oh, my God, Pastor, why is all this happening? I'm going to encourage you to stop asking that and start asking, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? Instead of going, why, God, have you allowed the pandemic? And why, God, all, Lord, the hurricanes? And why, God, is everybody at everybody's throat? And why all the social injustice? Instead of asking, why is this happening? Ask, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? Here's what I found out. That God doesn't owe us an explanation on why he does everything in the world or why he allows everything in the world. He doesn't owe us an explanation. God doesn't explain himself. He reveals himself. Don't ever forget that. God does not explain himself. He reveals himself. How do you know? Because I read the book, and God didn't explain himself to Abraham. He revealed himself. As you go, I will show. As you go, I will show. As you go, I will show. Come on, somebody. So here's what I recommend you do. Focus on your character. Not on the changes in society, not on circumstances that you can't control. The reason why people are so anxious right now and dealing with anxiety, because when anxiety is high, trust is low. When trust is high, anxiety is low. And you have to make up in your mind, am I going to try to control people? Am I going to try to control things I can't control? Or am I going to control what I can control? What can I control? My attitude, my mind, my mouth, my thoughts. Those are the things I can't control. I can't control people. You're the pastor. Yes. But I am to lead you in love. I am to not be a dictator to you. I am to lead you in love based off of the word of God. But ultimately, you're going to have to give an account for yourself. I am accountable to you. I'm not accountable for you. Did you get it? I'm accountable to you. To what? To preach to you the truth in love. But I'm not accountable for you to do it. I'm just accountable to preach it in love to you. Did that make sense? Okay. So look at Romans, and we're hurrying. Romans 5, 3 through 4. Here's the New Living Translation. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. Keep reading. And endurance develops strength of character. Okay? And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. All right? And this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's a great verse. So life is a struggle. Everybody agree with that? Life is a struggle. We live on a broken planet. This is not heaven. We struggle because we don't want to surrender to God. That's why we struggle. Most of the problems in our life go right back to one thing, and that's pride. We want to be the CEO of our life, and we want God to approve of our decisions. And God said, no, I'm going to be the CEO. I'm either Lord of all, or I'm not Lord at all. Come on, somebody. And so he wants us to resign as CEO And God wants to change us, and we don't want to change. So guess what we do? We struggle, just like Jacob did wrestling with God. Now, the second thing I want you to notice out of that verse is this, that if we develop character, guess what's going to happen? We're going to be full of hope. That's ultimately what it leads to. We're going to be full of hope. You say, why? Because unwise and immature people are scared, they're bitter, and they're ticked off at most of the world. Wise people, mature people of character are going to be full of hope. Because even though I know the world is changing and everything around me is changing, I know who holds the world in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Would our musicians come? Look at Paul's spiritual maturity. I want you to look up on the screen, Philippians 4 and 11, King James Version. Paul says this, this right here, y'all, will rock your world. You ready? Paul's maturity. He said, I've learned. I wasn't born knowing this. I didn't come out of mama's womb getting this. Guess what happened, folks? I, the great apostle Paul, my words there, I learned in whatever state I am, to be content. That's called spiritual maturity. That's what God is trying to bring in every one of our lives. And we'll either learn it fast or we'll learn it slow. But in every situation is an education. You just got to humbly say, Lord, what do you want me to learn through this? I want to share with you as we wrap this up three things that will never change and you can anchor your life to these three things. When everything changes you can anchor your life to these three. You ready? First of all, God's love for you will never change. Because God is not a conditional lover. He's not happy when you do and mad when you don't. He loves you unconditionally and His love will never change. Here's the second thing that will never change. God's Word will never change. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's Word will never change. Here's the third thing. God's purpose for your life will never change. I've, got, I've had uh, pastors who have had moral sin in their life ask me this question, and I just tell them, I said, I don't believe God's purpose in your life will ever change. It doesn't mean that you may get behind a pulpit, but I still believe you can preach and you don't need a pulpit. God doesn't have, listen, I don't believe, I may be wrong, right? You can debate me and may show me different, but I don't believe that God has plan B for anybody's life. I believe he's got plan A for your life. Can I get a witness? And no matter, no matter what you've done, who you did it with, how long you did it, I believe God can redeem all of that. And use it for His glory. You say, Pastor, how do you know those three things you just shared with us? This is not up on the screen, but it's in your Word. Jeremiah 30, one and 3. I love you with an everlasting love. His love is everlasting. Isaiah 40 and 8. The Word of God shall stand forever. Psalm 33 and 11. His plans endure forever and His purpose lasts for eternity. Would you stand with me? My sweet brothers and sisters, I don't predict the future, but I can tell you this. God's going to have the last word and it's going to be good. Good. And you can count on that. It is going to go His way. So the last thing I want to give you tonight, the practical thing, when everything is changing, what do I do? Here's what you do. Last thing. You keep telling God, Lord, I trust you. I may not understand it. I may not know why. But Lord, I trust you. And guess what? You may have to say that ten times in a day. But Lord, I trust you. Why? Because he's too wise to ever make a mistake. And he's too good to ever do you wrong. You can trust him. When everything around you is changing, what do you do? You stay anchored to what you know doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you receive this word, would you just slip your hands up right now and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we need your help. Lord, in these changing times of pandemic and hurricane and social injustice, and Lord, the leadership in America... God, what's going on in Afghanistan and around our world. Father, in all of the change that we are in, Lord, we want to be anchored to what will never change. And that, Lord, is you. If there's anyone here tonight that, Lord, is battling with anxiety, I pray, God, that they would just take that to the foot of the cross and ask you O oh Lord to help them to truly trust to trust that God what you are allowing them to go through help us to learn what you want us to learn in it help us God to become more like you more patient more kind and loving full of joy and gentleness and we give you thanks Lord and we give you praise Father, I pray that you would keep us in your care. In the name of the Lord, and bring us back at the appointed time. Put us at the right place at the right time. Help us to meet the right people. Give us a word of encouragement for someone in the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Sister Kaylee, would you sing tonight? God bless you. If you need prayer, come up. I'll pray for you.
2: Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.